Hello and welcome to WNHH Radio's Dateline New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. Diane Brown and Elsie Chapman make New Haven tick and read and hang together. Diane is the nationally acclaimed librarian of the Stetson Branch on Dixwell Avenue. Elsie, among her um, many other chapters, activities in town, is serving as chairperson of Stetson Library, the next chapter a community campaign to raise $2 million for a new home for the beloved Blanche Library. They're here in the WNHA studio today to tell us about all that. Welcome, folks, and thanks for stopping by. Thank oh. you for having us. Thank you. Nice to see Thank you. Thank you. A special thanks to Yale New Haven Hospital for providing support for today's program. Actually, anytime you, almost any time you write about anything good happening in New Haven, it seems like Elsie's picture is in there. Do you ever <laughs> notice that? She's not the one who's usually standing in front of everyone saying, hey, this is all about me. I made it happen. But she kind of does make it happen behind the scenes. I even heard a little scoop this morning that um, among the many things you do, Elsie Chapman, is you've been forever the head of the Historic Rooster Square Association. Yes. Until the end of the month. Yes. Where did you hear that? See, when we're a reporter, we just kind of open our eyes, open oh, our ears, my. and we hear stuff. So yeah, how many years have you been doing that? Oh, my heavens. Nine, ten. I started off, I don't know if you remember Beverly Carbonella. I do. Yeah, yes. Grand Dame of Worcester Square. And at one point, because she was not techn- technologically um, oriented, she asked me if I would help her, because she was president forever, if I would help her by just sending out all the emails for the meetings and everything. And I said, sure, Bev, I'll help you with that. Next thing I knew, I was co-president with her. And then when she passed away a couple of years ago, unfortunately, a great loss to the community, um, I, I just kept on. That's kind of the on. story of your life, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so much has happened. Interesting, you know, they call it Historic Worcester Square Association, and I think there's a good reason for that, is that it's such an interesting and dynamic neighborhood now. Yes. And the character of that neighborhood has changed yes. who lives there. Yes. But what hasn't changed is how beautiful it is. Yes, you're The old right. row houses, that right. park, especially not just when the... Uh, when the cherry blossoms come out and you try to time the festival with mother nature. So it's the exact week when it's all blooming, but you know, you look down um, right off the park, you look down the street and, and right. it's like this, this bough of right. meeting trees with all right. it looks like a uh, winter in a warm weather. And it's just such a beautiful neighbor. And you it have is. the Italian American commerce on Wooster street. You have all the pizzerias and, and we do try to maintain the, the, the Italian um, heritage but if you come to the uh, to the uh, Cherry Blossom Festival, and this year it's going to be April 22nd, starting at noon, and you see the people in the park and the diversity, right. the diversity of the people in the park, the diversity of the food trucks, you get an idea of what we're trying to do by making sure everybody feels welcome in that community, in that neighborhood, And who in lives there has really changed. Now tell me, yes. if how long you live there? Uh, 14 years now. Because if I'm not wrong, 15. when I, you know, I've been since the 70s, I've been in New Haven, and it seemed like it used to largely be Italian American. A lot of those folks yes. moved to um, Fairhaven, East yes. Shore suburbs, right. but some stayed, and the institution stayed. Right. St. Michael's Church, the uh, Sally's and Peppies, and, and and the other pastry shops, and but you know, it's a neighbor close downtown. It has such beauty. It was preserved. The parts that weren't destroyed in a renewal mm-hmm. by the highway and, and the other side. And that first, it seemed. I, I thought it got a reputation as where a lot of gay couples were moving. And students moving and workers downtown Yale and African-Americans, it stopped being the kind of place, I could be wrong, but stopped being the kind of place where they were made unwelcome and they settled in too. Is it true that that kind of diversity happened? So even though the institutions remained one way, the neighborhood completely changed. You're right. And when I moved in in 2003, I didn't realize that African-Americans were not made to feel welcome in the neighborhood. I just didn't have that history. 
So uh, when I moved in and I met some of my neighbors, I felt incredibly welcome. And then I met Alex Bragg, and he and, and lived there, and, and Jan and Hank Parker lived and there. And they'd always lived there. And they the, had yeah. always lived there. So, I, again, I didn't have that like history. Yeah. So now um, it, is, it has become a very diverse community. You know, it's interesting when you say that. It makes me think, Elsie, I know we'll get to this in a second. You know, sometimes the world changes, and maybe some of us of an older generation don't always notice it. Like, you weren't aware of it. Right. But like, we think things are a certain way. Like, um, we used to think that, like, there's no way in our lifetime there'd be legalized same-sex marriage, right? Like, if we're growing up, we know how much prejudice there was. There's no way that's going to change in a year. It changed in, like, a, about a year. And, you know, mm -hmm. while we've gone backwards and some things with the Trump election, when you think about African-Americans being, you know, being, you know, like, the president and other offices and that we've gotten laws about racial problems, it's not like there's not tons of work to be done. But it seems that, you know, younger evangelical Christians are saying in all their polls, they don't want racist police forces, they don't want prejudice, they don't want to be anti-immigrant, they don't want to be using wedge issues in the Christianity. I kind of feel like society does move forward in that we can't always see it necessarily if we've been used to it being one way. Right, right, and that's the hope. That's yeah. the hope that we all have for the future of this country and this world, as a matter of fact. But the reason you came in today is because the two yes. of you are driving forces behind taking one of our great institutions, Stetson Library, one that has changed with the times, made libraries relevant, and you're spearheading a campaign to get a new home, which is going to happen, across the street from Dixwell Plaza, where it is now, into a modern facility with, um, with uh, a lot more room, 60% uh, bigger, and more technology, across the street where they're rebuilding the Dixwell Q House. Now, uh, Diane Brown, you've been a librarian how long there? I've been a librarian since 2004, but I've been... Um, started working at Stetson Branch in like 2002. I was already a city employee. And, and you've the, been the library, branch librarian since 2004? I've been the branch librarian since 2006. Okay, and as readers of the New Haven Independent know, you've gotten national recognition, taking New York and other places, Librarian of the Year, Neighbor Labor. What you've done with that institution, you've really built that place up. And while the Dixwell Community House closed, we're having it rebuilt now, I think it's fair to say Stetson became the place where young people and older people kind of gathered in a safe place and did constructive activities after school on weekends um, where people got help for job searches, where you had community groups like reading groups for adult women, help with GED, mentoring, homework help. I know a lot of anti-violence community groups meet there. I mean, have you done that consciously, Diane, over the last, um, over the last 12 years or so? Have you said... I'm stepping up now. There's a need in this community. We're going to meet it, and a library is the right place to do it. Well, in all honesty, what happened was when I became a librarian, um, there was a, a revolution, if you will, um, in libraries. Libraries were no longer places where people just checked out books and digital items. Libraries were becoming places of cultural arts, of community centers. And very interestingly enough, um, being the branch manager of Stetson, I was a new librarian. I had only been a librarian for less than two years. And Mr. Wellborn, what the former library director, God bless him, he was my mentor. And Stetson at the time, and still to this day, smallest branch, lowest circulating number of items. And most of funding that libraries get, a lot of it um, relates to circulation. Um, statistics drive most uh, funds. So I had to come up with some different ideas of how Stetson Branch Library was going to survive in a system where other branches were, uh, the circulation numbers were far exceeding Stetson. I know the facility was being 
use quite a bit, but it was not showing in the circulation numbers. So early on, I just took on the people that were coming in, as you said, and I started asking people, well, what else can we do? It's not my library. The library belongs to the people. It belongs to the community. We need to work together. And then came a few years after that, and uh, the former administration under John DiStefano, there was some talk about shutting Stetson Library down. And one of the factors was circulation. I don't know if that was politics playing, being a politician's daughter. I don't know <laughs> what the politics was, but I knew that was an opportunity for me to go out into the community, collected a few thousand signatures. I remember the community rally said we really oh, care about yes. this. We had community yes. rallies and it, it turned around and I mean, everything happened so quickly. People that didn't even use Stetson Library came in and started saying, what can we do to save this library? At that time, all the programs, more programs started. I started asking people, will you come in and do a program at Stetson Library? I'll provide the space. I'll help you do the research. We can do it together. And that basically began a new road for Stetson Branch Library. It started no longer to be looked at as just a place. People you know, think, thought it was just a children's library. People thought it didn't have any substance. People thought I wasn't, quote unquote, a real librarian. So once, as time went on... That must have felt bad when your legitimacy Well, to be, to be honest with you, you know, um, to a certain extent, well, many people didn't know the credentials that you needed to become a librarian, first of all. People make assumptions. People a lot make of us assumptions. based on our lives, people and, question and your so, legitimacy. And mm. so when I worked at the main library downtown, we would rotate. Sometimes I would be at the reference desk, and people, black and white, would come up to the desk and say... I need to speak to a librarian. I was like, well, I can help you. No, I need to speak to a real librarian. And first I would get offended. But then after a while, I was like, okay, well, <laughs> you want to go talk to somebody else, you talk to somebody else, and I would just go do something else. But then back at Stetson Library, I started educating my community, what, you know, the credentials behind being a librarian. And it wasn't just about my credentials. I wanted to work with the community. And yeah, you were tied in. And it's interesting how as library, and we'll talk a little bit with LC2 citywide, as libraries have taken on new functions, I would argue they still grow out of what a library specifically did with education and the written word. So for instance, at Stetson, you have a lot of kids, they did their homework there after school. Still do. Still do. And then you sometimes team them up with mentors who are yes. older. We've written about one fellow who did his homework there, then became a mentor, became a librarian. Yes. But also, I mean, that's learning. Yes. And you use the resources of the library and as a place where that happens. I know that Joanna Cole, you know, when she was killed, a girl by yes. a straight bullet and her friends, that was the one place the parents they felt were safe. There, they were there every day. They didn't get their work. But also, and tell me how relevant this still is. I remember about 10, 12 years ago, before everybody had computers or smartphones, there was the Stetson Library computers were in use all the time from people who didn't have computers who came about looking for jobs and researching careers. And that you help them do that. And again, that's research, that's library. And in that new age, I remember what important role those computers played. Do they still, are people still on the computer all day or do they now have other ways to go online? Yes, very much so. Um, when I first became employed with the city of New Haven, um, 1995, 1995, I was a pre-employment training instructor with Jim Newton over at the job center. So when I came into the library, prior to me becoming a professional librarian, I came in as a professional career specialist. That's basically what my job was. So Mr. Wellborn brought me into the library and that's what I did. Um, many people don't know that 
uh, the library's first job fair. I held, I hosted the library's first job fair at the Navy Free Public Library down on Elm Street. That was many years ago, and that was my initial role. Um, the digital divide is still very real, and in my opinion, in some ways, it's getting larger. The gap is getting larger. If someone has a computer, they don't have a printer. If they have a computer um, and a printer, they have no internet. So you need all these you need all the tools to make it work. And some people, when they got email, they only get their email messages at Stetson, right? Yeah, so there was a point in time when um, people didn't have, um, didn't know how to set up an email address. It's still true to this day. So at one point in time, I went to Mr. Wellborn and said, people don't know how to set up an email. We started having email classes. Mm-hmm. And then there were people who lost passwords, like I do every day. So, so many oh emails would build up. I just live in mortal up. fear of having to remember to put my password and stuff. They would have like two or 300 email and then, you know, you have to get rid of the spam. So what I started doing was I had, um, I will allow people to come in and they would actually pull their email up and I would show them how to navigate, how to Tools get for email. living. Talk about what Tools a librarian does. That, that's Tools part of living. what you do. And yeah. we're talking about that on Dateline New Haven, WNHHFM, 103.5 FM, your uh, home for community radio, live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. We're talking to librarian Diane Brown of the Stetson Branch and Elsie Chapman, who among her many hats, present and future and past, is running Stetson Library, the next chapter. Uh, she's the head, uh, co-chair of the committee to raise the money. It's looking to raise $2 million for a new home. So let's talk about that for a minute. Um, so... You talked, uh, Diane Brown, about how 10 years ago there was talk of possibly closing Stetson. It's now recognized here and nationally as such an important part of Dixwell. That instead of talking about closing it, the city has agreed and the state that we should expand it. So you're going to move into, when they're building the new Q house over the next year, there's going to be a, a bigger place now, 60% bigger for the Stetson Library. It's going to cost $9.2 million to build that library. $5.3 million is coming from the state through bonding. One million is coming from a state library grant. I'll just personally say that's all a testament to the work you've done. That's why Thank that you. money's all coming in. 900000 is coming from city bonding, but there's $2 million left that you need for furniture, fixtures, books, e-books, databases, and you're trying to raise that money, and I'm really impressed with how much you've raised so far. You got $1.4 million raised so far. LCU and a few co-chairs are, are helping Diane do that. Right. And you're getting a match. How much is it from the Seedlings Foundation? $250,000. Seedlings Foundation has said they will match dollar for dollar any gift that's given to the library campaign between ten do- uh, between $50 and 10000 because we're not looking for the $50,000 gifts or the $200,000 gifts. We'll get those. But this is a community challenge, so we want the community engaged, connected, and committed. So that's why we set the limit, lower limit $50, upper limit 10000 and it's been amazing, the outreach from the community, uh, sororities, fraternities, church groups, uh, people who have $10, they'll get with other people who have $10, get $50 together, come up with a name, and that'll be used <laughs> as a match. And it's use a- your email that Diane Brown sent up for you to get the thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in these divisive times, we find things to argue about all the time. You know, this, a cause like this is something everyone could feel great about. Yes. It doesn't matter if you're liberal, conservative, who you are, you live in Texas or don't live in Texas. You can, everyone could feel this is great. You know, and this, that's this why great. we call the library the great equalizer, because everybody is equal coming yes. into the library. Now, Elsie, it's not just Dixwell you've been involved in libraries. You've been the uh, chair of the found, uh, New Haven Free Public Library Foundation, and that's the group that raises a lot of money for the whole <coughs> library system. That's why you dress up every Mardi Gras at the ball, right, that yeah. you do your big fundraiser, which is really fun. We love those photos. Um, <laughs> how long have you been doing that? 
Oh, well, I, I started work, I, I moved to New Haven in 2003, and I got involved with the library board, I guess, the, the very next year, 2004. And why? Because I believe in libraries. As I said, I believe that a library is an equalizer, no matter where you, no matter how much money you have, no matter what your economic status is, no matter your race, your gender, it's one of the, and I hate to say it, maybe one of the last institutions that we have in this country where people, even if they are, they are, they are homeless, even if they are homeless, can walk into the library <coughs> and feel that they are not going to be thrown out. As long as they are respectful, as long as they do what they're supposed to do, they will not be thrown out. And what out. happens in a library where the people are discovering books, ideas, community, skills, life skills like they teaches them, or events, like I know some great events at Stetson over the years have included, you know, the um, the anti-violence stuff after Joanna, the... Uh, the, um, the youth in trouble thing that Shafiq Abdu Sabor did. But there's always something when the state wanted to know what yes. to do with bus raids in Dixwell. They came to Stetson. They yes. had a meeting over last yes. year. When the police department said, we got a problem, connect with our community. When I know what they hear about us, the place was full at, Dixwell, at Stetson. That's where they came. They're community spaces now. It's more than, right. we, you know, Diane and I both believe so strongly a library is more than, a, more than books. They are community spaces. Right. The community gathers in a library. And the right. pivot to the internet has been so interesting because I know, if I'm not mistaken, the whole library system has more use than it ever did in its history, even though people aren't getting books so much because a yes. lot of people are getting e-books yes, in the library yes, system. Yes. They're getting <laughs> movies for free. I watched one with, I watched the James Bowen movie with my wife the other night through the library system. You could sign up online and, yes. and rent great movies for free. Databases. The databases are incredible. What are the databases? If you go on the New Haven Free Public Library website and you look up, um, I can't remember exactly what. Linda? It's, it's no, it, there's a whole list of databases um, on the New Haven Free Public Library website. Um, if you get stuck, just call me at Setson, 946 I love our generation. You and I and remember then, when people didn't have to dial the area code. And I and I will, 203. Well, 203. Well, I'm, I'm assuming everyone would know 203, but you can call me at Stetson or stop by Stetson. And there are so many databases on there. You're looking for a job. You're um, trying to get some homework done. African-American history, Hispanic mm. history. There's so many learning a language, find. learning a language. And these databases are accessible at home. Um, some of them with a library card and some of them without a library card. But I encourage you to come um, to Stetson. You get a library card. It doesn't cost you anything. It's free. And I will show you myself or one of my technicians will show you how to get on and access the databases from home. And in the meantime, you two are thinking creatively about how to get the whole community involved in this campaign to raise $2 million for the new Stetson branch. Again, the whole branch will be $9.2 million, but we've gotten a lot of help elsewhere. And this is our community's part. This Monday, you two spent a day, I believe, going to all the high schools in New Haven because you made it Stetson Day in the high schools. And one thing I loved reading about, Alan Appel had an article about it in The uh, Independent, mm. was that Diane was thinking not just about money. And this is how I see your mind working, how you build community at Stetson. So you were thinking, okay, great, some kids throwing some money. We'd love you to be invested, but you're also part of the library. We want this campaign to make you think of Stetson as your place and you're involved in it yeah. and this becomes part for your life. So tell me about that. What did you find? What did you do with the different schools and what, how did this contribute to the campaign? Well, I stopped at a few schools and um, because it was uh, many of the schools are planning for bad weather the next day, principals were moving around. So it was kind of difficult to put people on the spot. Um, I'm not going to tell you which schools right now because Alan is going to do a follow-up story and I don't want to, 
Uh, scoop him. I, right. yeah, I, I don't want to go Even though past we scooped Elsie's announcement on Worcester Square, but that's <laughs> I, okay. I don't want to we'll go past But I, I did stop at a few schools and met with a few principals and some students, and um, I basically told them the same thing. I want them to have buy-in. Just as I grew up and many people um, prior to me um, talk about how the Q House uh, meant so much to them, I want the children that live in Dixel to be able to say how much Stetson, the current Stetson means to them and going into the new Stetson branch. I want them to have some buy-in. I want them to walk by that library with pride and say, you know what? I remember when they were collecting money to build that new library. Mm. I'm maybe 18 or 19 now, now, but I remember I gave 50 cents. Mm-hmm. And, and you so did you have, you have a box buy-in. up in, you have three wooden boxes to put money in. We call them pushkas in the Jewish community. Yes. Uh, in Hill House, you have three yes. pushkas there where people yeah. put their coins. Yes. What other, what they decide, what other schools do you go to besides Hill House? You're trying to get me to see, Alan is, is okay. Okay, we'll hold okay. off on that. Well, we'll I did, I did go to, uh, I'm not going to tell you, I'll wait and let him run the story. Okay, okay. <laughs> So now I want to ask something. You brought that up, Diane. Tell me from your own childhoods, each of you, Elsie Chapman and Diane Brown, tell me about a moment you'll never forget in a library that makes you remember why a library was important to you when you're growing up. I think we'll Diane go first because I've heard her answer this before. Well, I actually grew up in New Hallville and the Stetson Branch Library initially was on Division Street where I grew up at, actually at 213 Division Street. My mother told me that story years ago. And then it wasn't until I became the branch manager and looked at archives and pictures. And the original first Stetson Library was at 213 Division Street, and it was in a house owned by Winchester Gun Factory. My mother told me that. And then when I became the branch manager, I looked up the history. Very interesting. And I raised my son at 215 Division Street, um, only a few doors down from where that original house was. Did you hang out at that one? Did you hang out at that one? Yeah, so that... Stetson Library moved from there, and it was in a Carnegie building on the corner of Thompson and Dixwell. So it stayed in, D- in New Hallville, not yep. Dixwell. So, and it's still there. It's a church now. The Carnegie building is still there. And that was, was it Carnegie because Carnegie, they have something to do with libraries? Because yes. remember, Andrew mm-hmm. Carnegie yes, he funded did. libraries. Yes, yes. He, he, his, the funding from his um, uh, institution built that library. Interesting. And I went to that library, and that was one of the only places that I was allowed to go as a little girl. It was a few blocks away from my home. And Did I you walk cle- there on your own? I clearly remember walking to Stet- the former Stetson Branch Library on the corner of Dixwell and Thompson. And at that point in time, it looked so big to me. And I've been in there in recent years. And it's not, it's not a small space, but it's not that large at all. But it very much looked like a little um, Ives branch down on um, Elm Street, down the other end, and um, the marble floors. And one of the, my best memories of of going there, I remember um, getting graham crackers on the brown paper towel. That was our snack. So I and oh, a, they had a program and, and a for kids after milk. school. Yeah, so we had programs, and on Saturdays we would go there and play checkers and board games. I loved graham crackers as a kid, especially with the milk when they got all gooey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, that's it's one of my my memories. So I was a little girl, <laughs> and so it's very interesting. Who would have thought? Me, I grew, was born and raised on the street where the first Stetson Library was. As a little girl, I attended the next one and then ended up being, even just being a librarian. So it's, it's very interesting. Do you remember any particular day circle. there or a book you read that you found there or a person who gave you advice who was there? I, re, I remember, uh, I, I don't remember names, but I do remember, um, I don't remember any people of color 
working in the library. Really? Even I, in New Hallville? No. Oh no. my goodness. I remember. That's there, what I meant about society changing our expectations. I remember there was an, um, um, an elderly, and well, a middle, I can't say now because I'm 60, so she may have been younger than me. Well, but no, she we, had, we 60 she, used to be elderly, she, now it's she, not. She had gray <laughs> hair. She had gray hair. We're changing the rules. <laughs> she we had gray hair. hair and it was pulled back in a bun and she had glasses on. I don't remember her name. But I remember when um, I would go in, I remember she was always smiling. She was sitting at the desk when you walk in and she would kind of tell us what was going on for the day. And, and we were allowed to go and stay for two hours. What, for did, two what hours did you like hours. to read when you were a kid? To be honest with you, as a little girl, I don't ever remember having anyone favor to read. I like to write poetry. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really remember reading anyone. I We read what my mother read in the house. My mother was a politician. My mother was very much into yep, black Brown, history still around. And, um, so we read, um, any black magazines that were in the house. My mother taught us black history. So anything that my mother had in the house, but you that, wrote poetry too. Read. And I wrote poetry. I know. See, Chapman, you've had a little time to think it out when you were, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Queens, Queens, right. New York. And, um, I can remember as a kid, I had two older brothers. I have younger brothers and sisters, but my two older brothers, I could, I could go places if my two older brothers came with me or if I went with them and uh, we would go to the library, not so much during the week because my mom was a stay at home mom for the most part. And so we would come home, but uh, we would walk, we could walk from our home in Queens. You both mentioned that there's that kind of liberation when you're kidding. You're allowed to walk somewhere. Right. Right. Your nervous parents need to know you're going someplace good. (laughs) We would go to the Queens public library and there's still the Queens public library there today. And um, the main, the main branch, because it was, it's, on Merrick Boulevard, one of those streets. In any event, I can still remember going there, and and it was at the at that library that I first ran into Pearl Buck, and I can remember reading my first and the first book of hers that I read was The Good Earth, and 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 I read so many of her books over the years, and I used to fantasize about what China must be like mm. and, and that kind of thing. That That's one of my memories. Does Octavia Butler register at the Dixwell branch? She's um the most famous black female science fiction writer. She went to MacArthur. She died a few years ago. I went on a JAG just recently. I read all her books. They're fantastic. I, I, I have her books Yeah, in my And collection. people like them in yes. Dixwell? Yes. So I could yes. see a young, like a young book interested african-american kid to discover that there's someone yeah. she deals with themes like they're, they're yes. genuine they're regular science fiction every science fiction reader loves them and all the science fiction people love her but she has a special perspective because of being african-american yes. woman mm-hmm. in, in, in what kind of issues she dealt with with race and a lot of older teens read her come to sets yeah. and they get her books yeah I've, I've just noticed more interest in her mm-hmm. so how about as an adult Elsie, you still stayed involved with libraries. What did you do for a living? I worked for the IBM Corporation for 30 years. Wow, was that before Um, you came here? Before I came here. I had retired from IBM before I moved to New Haven. And I I, uh, had lived for almost 20 years in Ridgefield, Connecticut, over in Fairfield County. And and as I tell some of my uh, Ridgefield uh, neighbors, which they couldn't believe, I said, I just got to get to a place where I can breathe. So, because I grew up in a city, I see. I so those woods diverse, and it was diverse, and Ridgefield was not. And so, a lot of great things about Ridgefield—a bucolic, classic, you know, New England town. But I needed to get back to a city. So Queens, I think, has become the maybe the most diverse place it in is the United the most, States. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. it is, and it's yeah. wonderful to go there and walk those streets. It's mm-hmm. just great. Mm-hmm. 
but New, New Haven is as close to being like Queens and New York as and you can. Nice. Yes, and the scale, in the scale nice. I can wrap my arms around New Haven. That's, and that's what I why feel. That's I the best New way to Haven. put it. Why do people like I realize? Because I'd rather there's no other place I'd rather live in New Haven. Right. And I think it's that wrapping your arms around because there's a lot to wrap your arms around. Yes. It's not Ridgefield. Yes. It's not boring. Yes. But it's not overwhelming. Right. Yeah. Right. And you can get as involved in New Haven. From at any level as you wish to be. Right away. Yes. Which you've done. Which with is the what libraries. I did. Have you had experiences in libraries beyond being an advocate for libraries, raising money for libraries, making sure the lights are on? Have you do you use the libraries in New Haven? Oh, absolutely. I'm a member of the Stetson Book Club. I absolutely do use the libraries in that New Haven. That sounds like a fun club. We had an article for years back about them reading. What what have you read recently in that? Well, we're getting ready to read well, right now we're reading great small things. Um we oh God, we've read um now you're going to ask me, um, and all, all the books we've read, and now it's, they're not coming to it's mind. It's okay. It's okay. Quite a few. Quite a few. We meet once a month. We pick a book. Sounds and, like a great uh, group. The article we have sounds so much fun, and it people is. really seem to love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're not the only book club in the library system. That's just the one that I happen to belong to. And Dixwell. Okay. And you're listening to Elsie Chapman, who, among her many hats, is co-chair of Stetson Library, the next chapter, to raise a community campaign to raise $2 million for the New home for Branch Library, and Diane Brown's with us, the librarian, the hero, hero of Dixwell, who has made that library thrive and taking it to its next chapter. So tell me what happens next, folks. we got a few minutes left here. Um, construction starts this spring on the Q House. It's expected to take 12 to 18 months. What are the main changes, Diane, you're looking for in that new space? I know it's bigger. The technology is different. How, how is what you're going to do going to change in that space? I think basically, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, the relationship that I've built with individuals, organizations, and in the Dixwell neighborhood, we will just take that and put it on a larger scale. Right now, I have to turn down some programs. Um, mm -hmm. There are many programs and many individuals and organizations in the community that I would like to work with, but there's just not enough space. And how about hours and staffing? So how many hours a week are you open now? Um, good question. So put me on the spot. So we're open nine to... Well, we've expanded because we have an extra day. So Monday and Tuesday, we're, um, public hours are 10 to 6. Wednesday, public hours are 12 to 8. And Thursday, public hours are 12 to 6. And Saturday, 9 to 5. It's a tricky question because we come in prior to the branch opening. Like today, And you have night events. We have night events on Wednesday. Wednesday is our late night. Mm -hmm. See, on Thursday, like a day today, staff hours are 9 to 6. Public hours are 12 to 6. Gotcha. And closed on Friday. And closed on Friday. Every branch is closed on Friday. Yeah. But I know that we have expanded hours because we were really winnowing those hours years ago. Yes. Do you think it's realistic that in these tough economic times we'll go further or do you think we're going to cut back? To be honest with you, I, I, I personally um, would like to see the library have some Sunday hours. Mm. Definitely. Um, you know, for homework and people job searching. Um, everyone, I mean, and, and I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way. Everyone doesn't go to church. Some people come would like to go to the library. And church read. is different hours too. Yep, and some some sure. people I know of individuals that come to Stetson Library, and on every Monday they come in and bring their headset and they listen to a sermon mm. on the computer, and said. Also, if you're at Varick, it's two hours, and then you're a block from. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. From... <laughs> Pitching for Varick. Go ahead. <laughs> I just noticed right there. But what's gonna what's gonna happen to the space at um, Dixwell Plaza when the library moves out? 
There's been a lot of talk about, you know, we always have heard talk I about improving the plaza. I'm not sure. I've heard a lot of different stories. Because there's going to be a big new sure. institution, at least planned for the old Seatown supermarket there, which is going to be this whole big new media center. Concat, Concord yeah, has yeah. purchased that. Yeah, and, and they're so going to do something with Titus. And, what's going to happen with the space where Stetson is? Well, I, I can tell you that the space does belong to the city. Um, So that particular space that Stetson is in, what they're going to do with that space. Exactly. Is it a lease or is the city owned? The city owns that place. It's a wow. business condo. Oh, it's a condo, and right. So the, the city of New Haven owns the space that Stetson is currently in. But what's good, you know, you've, you've watched that plaza over the years and it's not in great shape physically. No, no. Are we going to, we always hear how it's going to be a new day. I guess there is going to be real money put into this new Concat building. What's your, what's the status of the plaza now? Are things, are, is the organization doing a good job in trying to chart it next step? Is the city helping them out? Well, I can say that uh, Concorp, um, which I'm a proud, um, proud to say that I'm on the executive board of Concorp. Concat, you mean? Concorp. Concorp oh. um, is going to actually be the umbrella in which Concat and all these other things. What is Concorp? Concorp is, uh, I, I, don't, I can't give you real specifics, but Concorp is an organization. It's a group of people that have formed with Eric Clemens and the people at Concat, and they are going to... They're, they're going to look at spaces to renovate. They're doing the Seatown project. So it's all going to fall underneath one umbrella. Is it going to stay a condo or is it going to go to their control? I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but I do know right now they're looking to put a facade in front and back. Mm -hmm. They are looking to upgrade from where it is. I guess, you know, I always think about that plaza. So I think it was built during urban renewal, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So they tore down a lot of very successful businesses in Dixwell. And we all look back at what was destroyed in urban renewal. But it's a very complicated question because retail changed. People yes. went to suburban malls. They went to chain stores. It's like I'm not sure small retail would have continued if you hadn't torn down those buildings. But they built that plaza trying to make a more car-friendly, I guess, modern look. And, it, and it's been a tough go. You know, it's not the kind of commerce it used to be. Not just there in every kind of urban neighborhood. It's tough right. to keep retail going. We're now buying online and everything. A generation early driving out to the suburbs. I always wondered, could you go big? You have that parking lot in the back. A lot of space to build on. Could you put a movie theater back there, or is that well, I'm, crazy? I'm or a skating rink? I'm gonna be honest with you. My my, just my personal feel of that, being African American and being born and raised in the inner city, I like to see space. I I don't like to see every space something is built on. I think of Ridgefield. I think of Bethany. I think of Cheshire. I think of other areas. So this thing doesn't need to be all dense with buildings. Right. And and so when I walk out the back of Stetson, which many people think is the front in the back parking lot, I like the fact that I can look across that parking At lot Florence and, see, homes. and see space. And I can yeah. see the, the, the um, Dr. Mayo Learning Center. So me personally, um, you know, if I could put a little nickel in that quarter, as my mother would say, I, I like the idea. To be honest with you, I would like to see some green area so I, turn I some of the asphalt into green yeah i don't think nice everything everything because yeah. the minute people come into the inner city developers they see a little bit of space we're going to build something here we're going to build something here and um, something that my mother said years ago she said you know people come to the inner city and the first thing they want to do is they want to stack people on top of people and mm. she said that's such a and and that's such an inhuman thing to do and, and my mother lived in the projects, Ashman Street projects, for a while when they were first built. And then when they built the high rise, and she had made a comment, and she said, 
think about people just stacked on top of people like that. There's enough land in this world where people should open up their door and look out and see some green mm-hmm. or have some a vegetable garden or have something. People should not be piled idea. on top of one another. Right, it leads and right into Florence that. Virtue mm-hmm. there, so that's a yes. good bridge. Yes. And a lot of good community, a lot of barbecues, kind of like community activities out there that take place in the back. Yes. So, uh, so let's talk about what's next, folks. So the, how long is this campaign going? The campaign will go through the end of the year officially, the end of this calendar year, officially year. calendar year, yes. All right, yes. so we got a pony up. We need six, we have 600,000 to go. Yes. All right, we're going to get there. We, absolutely, I'm looking in this we're room going right to get now. there. I have no doubt about it. We are going to get there. Okay, the, um, coming up on March 25th is an opportunity. Yes, jazz coming club. up on March 25th is a jazz concert. It's going to be at the Elks Club right there by the Stetson Library, right on Webster Street. Yes. $25 a ticket. So and prices, what's the music? The music is jazz. Oh, I mean, like who? Uh, Mo Pleasure. Mo Pleasure. It will be there. Um, everyone knows Ron Lawrence. Ron yep. Lawrence will be accompanying him. And if you would like tickets for that event, they're $25, as Elsie said. And you can stop by Stetson Library. What a a you and only have a good time here in Jersey. You help build the new Stetson. Oh, my heavens. Yes. Can't How wait for you. How could you say no to that? <laughs> and your campaign has a website. What is that? Uh, nextstetson.org. Next, Next N-E-X-T. .org. Well, all of us who love the current Stetson can't wait for the next Stetson. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Elsie Chapman and Diane Brown, two of the heroes in New Haven. Thank you for having us. Thanks for the work you do every day in New Haven. And thanks for making time to stop by Dateline New Haven and WNHH-FM. Thanks to Yale New Haven Hospital for providing support for today's program. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic Experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. Now, we know what it's like to be free. We just got to remember to book our flight. Book your flight with us all day and all night long here at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio. (laughs) 